You're listening to the AID Network. Hey friends, as you may know, Disneyland for Designers is coming to you every Wednesday while Disneyland is closed. And you can support this effort in three easy ways. Become a sponsor at anchor.fm slash Disneyland for Designers. Like Ryan Riggs, who's getting the official Disneyland for Designers Riverboat Captain Award. Thank you so much, Captain, for sponsoring us over at anchor.fm, Disneyland for Designers. And if money is tight right now, no worries. That's the case for a lot of folks. Did you know leaving a podcast review and giving the podcast five stars is the best way to help Disneyland for Designers get new listeners? Podcasts with favorable ratings are given a better chance to grow, so please leave a review today. And if you've already left us a review, how about telling a friend that you know who loves Disneyland just like me and you? If you can do one of these three easy requests, who knows? Maybe we can keep Disneyland for Designers coming to you each and every single week for a long, long, long time. And I don't know about you, but I love going to the park at least once a week. Hey, friends, let's take a lap around Disneyland with Mr. Cheesy Pop right after this quick message from Jack Prince. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your your fandom by making a limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust. And Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they pass that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. You know, my citizenship is still pending. Still don't have the button, but that doesn't stop me from trying to be the best citizen of Disneyland that I can possibly be. And by doing that, I have to be an ambassador to all of the great friends, the great fans I also know who are citizens of Disneyland. Today, I'm so honored to take a lap around the park with my friend Max. You may know him as Mr. Cheesy Pop over on YouTube. He's one of Disneyland's greatest citizens. There, as much as he can be, always reviewing the good food, showing up at all the parties, and most importantly, bringing you that positivity that is Disneyland. Max and I both have a very unique job in that the park is a part of our job. Being friends with a fellow content creator, a fellow lover of the brand that said, you know what, maybe I can do a little bit more with my fandom. Maybe I can share it with others and maybe they'll be able to see this thing that you and I love 
through the same lens that I'm able to love it. I'm so excited to bring Max onto an episode of Disneyland for Designers, and I hope that you enjoy this trip that we take around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. So you know the rules. Close your eyes, go into your imagination, and remember, Disneyland may never be completed as long as there's imagination left, but also, Disneyland will never be closed as long as we have our imaginations. It's Disneyland for Designers, Episode 20, with Mr. Cheesy Pop. Hey everybody, I'm just waiting for my friend to show up, just hanging out here, just, oh, it feels so good to be in the park after the commute, all the traffic everywhere, you know me, I always have to take the tram in, and I'm waiting to see my bud, wait a minute, who do I see coming through the tunnel right now? It is none other than Senior Cheesy Pop, Mr. Cheesy Pop, how you doing, Max? <laughs> What's up, Bricky? How you doing? Dude, it's so Ooh. good to see you at the park. Yeah, man. You know, I just, I was, uh, I was just doing my old cheesy pop speed walk over here because, you know, I don't take the tram. So, you oh, know. you walk in. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I just, you know, there's always, there's always one child on the tram that just wants me to sign it for him. So I always just kind of have to be there. You know, it's, it's the responsibility of a hero. You are. You really are. I'm, I was, uh, so glad to join you uh, on that journey you made. <laughs> oh, I was happy to see you. I'm like, yes, Cheesy Pop's going to take a lap with me. It was it was so much fun that day. So as we're standing right here in the middle of Main Street, I, I have to say this, Max. Should I call you Max or Cheesy Pop today at the park? <laughs> it's up to you, you know? Max is How easier. Yeah, Max, because we're buddies. Yeah, you know? okay, okay. But hey, you yeah. at home, in your mind, you call him Cheesy Pop. You don't call him Max. You right. got to earn that. So the, my favorite thing about Main Street is not only that it's the land that statistically we go to the most, because you always have to go in and out of Main Street, unless you're a huge monorail guy. Uh, I love Main Street because I think that it is the deepest rooted in the Walt Disney The Man story. The mm-hmm. deepest rooted in the story of Disneyland, like Main Street, it just echoes history, and I, I really do believe that they knocked themselves out on making this the heart of the park. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, when you think of this place, you think of Walt. Yeah, for sure. Like this, it, it is quintessential Walt. You know, uh, and Mar- Marceline. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting too because. We have so many images captured of Walt in Main Street. And because Main Street has stayed pretty unedited, pretty untouched, you can see a photo of Walt in a cart. And it literally, other than the paint, is a little bit different. And there's not as many people there, although it's pretty empty today. Uh, It still looks like the world that we know. You see a photo of him in Adventureland and it doesn't quite look the same. Right. Right. Well, that's why you, you know Main Street is timeless, and, and I it think really is. that was that was his goal there too. I mean, this is timeless Americana. Just uh, yeah, sitting on a bench here today, man. Oh man, before you got here, I was just sitting on a bench, just like letting yeah. it all go away, having such a good time. So my bud Max, I said, let's let's go to Disneyland. There's a lot of people that are missing the park right now. Let's you and me as unofficial experts. Let's take a lap together. And I mm-hmm. asked Max, I'm like. Tell me a spot you want to go to in every land. And as we're standing here in front of this beautiful flagpole and all these gas lights that were taken from the city of Baltimore, uh, you chose an interesting place to go on Main Street. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, you know, on Main Street, I love this little, uh, it, it, it could be hidden. You could miss it, but, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the porch. Oh, the Main Street porch, the old Wizard of Bras. Yes. <laughs> As I like to refer to it. The, right. Max, how, how much does it just, how much does it just blow your mind? that at one point Main Street was actually independent shops, that there was families, <laughs> that that was the business that they owned inside of Disneyland. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's insane. I would have loved, I, I, if I could, that would be a place I'd love to go back in time and just like watch that for a day. Yeah. To, to see like families shopping for bras. I mean, what? Oh, I mean, yes? the integral, intimate apparel shop. <laughs> it only lasted six months. It was done January of 56, so it didn't even make it a full year. And now it's the China Closet. But this little porch on Main Street, uh, if you can grab a seat here and yeah. just watch Disneyland go by, it is such an amazing way to spend an afternoon, unless it's right around sunset, and then it will burn your eyeballs out. But other than that, it's a yes. great place to sit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. But it could, you know, and it is tricky to get a, a chair there because th there's like some Main Street porch regulars. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and they are, they will just sit there all day. So, yeah. You, yeah. They'll I mean, do their time. You know, what I, I find interesting about the porch is most of my hours spent on this porch, this is the protocol. End of night, Gibson girl. Get a, a cone, go sit on the porch. Eventually, a kind gentleman, most, most time it's a man, kind gentleman in a white shirt, navy pants, wearing a white fedora hat with that Mickey Mouse badge on his shoulder, go, boys, got to move it on. And then that's what I just go, thank you for your service. And I get up and I move along. And yep. Max, I don't know about you, because you are a Disneyland food aficionado. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite things about the holiday season is the candy cane uh, flavored ice cream in the peppermint dip cone. Or it's the peppermint, oh, yeah. I got it backwards, peppermint Pe ice cream in the yes. candy cane dipped cone. Good stuff. It's like eating a Christmas tree. <laughs> I, uh, I once did a video where I did a peppermint challenge video where I, I kind of overdosed on peppermint <laughs> at, at Disneyland. <laughs> hey, I call that living. I was, I was, I had the best minty fresh breath ever. <laughs> I bet. Just like you've been brushing your teeth for hours. Yeah. Step off the porch because there's a couple of people that we see want to sit on it. We're oh, going to yeah. just cruise it into the main street. Smell that delicious smell of the fried chicken. Right now, Max, if gun to your head. Well, no, they're not a gun to your head. We're in Disneyland. Uh, bubble wand to your head. <laughs> Would you like to have a corn dog from this old vintage truck in front of us, or would you rather have fried chicken from the corner here? Man. That's a bad that's decision. The best, that's, that is a really tough decision. You know, it's the best fried chicken. It really is. It's, that is, um, I, you know what, I, well, are we strolling? Because if we're strolling, I need a corn dog. <laughs> Not a stroll. Well said. You know what I mean? Well said. Yeah. 
I can't stroll with, with three pieces of fried chicken, which is what you get at Plaza Inn, because they do not skimp on the fried chicken. <laughs> or the mashed potatoes, the green beans, the biscuit. You want gravy with that? Yes, ma'am. I always... Something about this face says, I always want gravy with it. Yes. Got that face. One of my favorite Plaza Inn memories is sitting on that that porch. I love sitting out there on the, the porch on the main on the um, Tomorrowland side. And you remember uh, a few years back, they did three years in a row, they did the 24-hour party? Yeah. I sat out there and I had Mickey-shaped waffles and fried chicken, and I watched the sun come up over Sleeping Beauty. One of my all-time favorite <laughs> moments. Crazy. Yeah, those are good days. They were, they good, were good until they got crazy, and then they were like, we can't do this again. Y- yeah, because there was a time in the night when it was like, ooh, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't, yeah, like... And for us to say we don't want to be at Disneyland, that, uh, that that's a major red flag. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun to do, like, for a couple times in our life. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just fun to say, hey, I've been there for 24 hours and seen the sun go down and come <laughs> back up. Like, a, a phenomenal opportunity. I also love that at the end of the night when you'd walk by the train station, if you made it to the end, they had, um, you know, the, the Fab Five and some of their buds up at the Main Street train station in their pajamas waving goodbye to you. And I'm like, oh, it makes it feel so real. It makes yeah, it feel so real. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever been as tired. Oh, oh, and I, it, it kind of ruins the purity of Disneyland when you see people sleeping on bitches everywhere because it's like, we go to Disneyland to get away from that in L.A. <laughs> when you see people sleeping on bitches in Disneyland, it's like, no, man, you're breaking the magic for me. Yeah, yeah. So let's... I remember, yeah. Let's hook a right over here. Uh, you know, we're in this tight corridor. We got Star Wars to the right. We got Buzz to the left. We got a weird UFO in front of us if we want to go Disney Vacation Club. As we hook a right over into this cul-de-sac, and we stand here for a minute and look mm. at Space Mountain, I have mm. to say... I don't know what the future holds for Tomorrowland, but I feel like Space Mountain is the one item, the one item that would be hard to imagine it going goodbye. This will forever be here, I have a feeling. You believe? I mean... Hmm? You believe that this one's good for for eternity? Yes. I do. I really do. A lot of, you know, fans... They want to see Tron come to the West Coast, the the Tron light cycles. And I've done my best of measuring it on Google Maps in China, and I've tried to place it inside of our Tomorrowland. And not only is the footprint, I think, too large, but I think that the height of it would rival Matterhorn, and you might see it over by Sleeping Beauty and you know, I think you and I would both agree that one of the things that is so amazing about Disneyland is how well they manage the sight lines and how mm-hmm. when you're in a land, you feel like you're in a land. So as you pick Space Mountain as the place you want to go to in Tomorrowland, doesn't it just amaze you that as you and I are standing in front of this right now, that we're actually standing pretty far down on Main Street at the same time? Like the hook yeah. that is getting over to Space Mountain, it blows your mind how close it actually is over to the beginning of Main Street. Oh, totally. You know, when you look at a overhead of, of, of Disneyland, that's, yeah. that, you, you really see it. And that's so interesting. You're so right, though. I mean, but yeah, because you can't have a Tron. A Tron it, I've seen the Tron like construction in my last trip to the Magic Kingdom in Disney World. Yeah. I saw the track, and that is high. That, it is. It's a big attraction. Yes. 
that's enormous. The, the, the building is already like it's huge. Yeah, beautiful, I but I think it's too big for our part. Personnel, clear the launch platform. All personnel, clear launch platform. I want to know why you picked going to Space Mountain. This is a, this is a ride that I've ridden mm-hmm. very few times in my life because the roller coaster inside the dark makes me really, really sick. Like it's one that I have to really be pushed to go on. I have to sit around, you know, just a crew of people that I don't want to say goodbye to. Why do you love this one so much? It's hard for me to enjoy. Uh, you know what? Space Mountain still gives me the same thrill that it did the first time I rode it. So I, I'm still scared, and I love that. Yeah. You know, I the 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 music. So good. Um, yeah, the music is incredible. Uh, it's just something about the pitch black and the, just the stars. I think it's it's beautiful, and that idea of I don't know where I'm going because I can't see anything. Um, man. I love it. And, and, and you're not even going that fast, but no. it just feels like you are. And it, it's, well, it's the darkness. It's the power of the darkness, right? I, I, I Yes. It will... I can't imagine that anything tops it as, you know, my favorite thrill ride ever. I, I just... I just love it. Now, I do know this about you. When you needed a roller coaster to try to get rid of a kidney stone, you went to... Big Thunder. <laughs> you, you, so you do think that Space Mountain is a smoother ride than Big Thunder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big, Th- Big Thunder is rough. Uh, Big Thunder is rough for, for sure. It kind of, there are some more like jerky moments yeah. that could loosen up a kidney stone. <laughs> and you gave it your best. I remember text messages that day and be like, dude, this is some of the greatest content I've ever seen. The D23 is happening. You're not letting go of the party. And you get there early and you're just crushing. You're crushing um, Big Thunder Mountain trying to destroy a kidney stone. I'm like, this is all the Disney spirit in the world. I love that moment in your yeah, career. Thank you. Thank you. Your, pain, was, was... your pain was definitely my game. I didn't want to see you in pain, but it made for great content. Thank you. I'm glad I, I, I helped you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that, that's your job. You signed up to be a YouTuber. I did. You can disappear when you have a kidney stone, or you can <laughs> lean into it like you did, and you made it a great plot line. <laughs> Out of the alternate versions of Space Mountain. Which one do you enjoy the most? I mean, obviously, I'm getting that you like the classic the most, but the different mm-hmm. um, overlays they've done, what do you like the most when they tinker with it? Yeah, Hyperspace. Yeah? I, I think it's that's good, the best right? one. Yeah, that's really good. That's It's really well done. It's solid. It feels like it's like that was the ride. Like if you told me, you know, that was always the way it was. Yeah, like that feels pretty pretty good. Yeah. You, they left it up um, for so long. I bet there are people that probably think that it's always that way. It's true. Yeah. That thing was oh, forever. It was very exciting when that first dropped. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it and I'm like it was actually a little bit easier for me because it was lit up a little bit more and I could kind of see mm-hmm. the track and I didn't get quite mm-hmm. as dizzy. But I remember the first time that I did Ghost Galaxy, is that what they call the Halloween version? <laughs> I couldn't believe how menacing and grueling and like for real scary monster it was for, for Disneyland. I was expecting it to be, you know, villainous. That layer of like cartoony yeah, right? horror, not like actual like melting skulls and stuff. Yes, that was really well done too. There's that part where the the skeleton's hand reaches out too. I love that. Yeah. When you exit 
uh, Space Mountain, and you and you come back around, and you're standing in the that cul-de-sac. I like that area so much, and it's a shame that it. It's a shame that they've tried to pivot so many times over the year and, and try to refresh it because at this moment, it's a real hodgepodge of, of mm-hmm. different pieces and different elements. Um, and I, I do have to say, as, as much as I don't enjoy Tomorrowland today, when I go through the archives of Disneyland and I see old retro photos of it, it is absolutely the most magical spot yeah. of the history. Question for you. Do you think that if they rebranded it as like the atomic age, like just made it mid-century modern, like Palm Springs goes to the moon, I think that that would be beautiful. I think it'd be amazing. But the modern version of Disneyland, it really needs IP, right? Like even though that would be cool, that wouldn't last either, I don't think. What's your opinion there? Yeah. We feel like it's cool now. Yeah. Um... I don't know that it will. Will that be cool in twenty years? I mean, mid-century modern has been cool since the fifties, but I get what I you're know, saying. I know it's so. It is. I love it. I get so what you're saying. Though. I, what else are they going to do with it? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think we were really close to finding out. And I don't know if you know this, but the budget's been put on pause. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, think I think we have a lot more tomorrow ahead of us. Yes, we, we we we're stuck. We we are definitely stuck in Tomorrowland. As we walk past it, and we're coming up here past the lagoon, uh, I'll tell you this: I don't know if I'll ever get in those submarines again with the new normal. But whether nope. the submarines are there or not, I hope the lagoon never goes away. It's uh, no, it's it's beautiful. I think yeah. I, I don't... The submarine ride will... Yeah. I, I don't know that that can really exist. Yeah. I mean, that feels crazier than going in an airplane, because at least an airplane only has, like, four sets of people in it a day, not 40 an hour. So, but it is so beautiful. I love walking past that area yeah. and just kind of standing there, uh, looking out. Visualizing the visualizing the Disneyland mermaids that that used to be there, <laughs> that, that for some reason they had to take out because guys are so dumb they would jump over the wall and swim out to them. Like you talk, that's like the same as a high speed chase. Like you know you're gonna get caught. You you clearly have no strategy of what you're doing. You just dive in and ah, it'll all work out. Like what are you doing? Ah. One of the things they do at at Disneyland that I don't think a lot of guests are completely aware of, and the lagoon is a great example of this, is that different bodies of water have a different dye or, or you know the the base is painted a certain color there's a little bit of dye in the water so that it, it sort of adjusts it and just think about like the lagoon is so coral and blue and looks like the water right when you get off the boat over in avalon off the coast of california mm. um, think about how different this area would be if it had the murky and brownish water of the rivers of America and vice versa. If the rivers of America was truly like bright and coral and blue, it wouldn't uh-huh. look like the Mississippi or the Ohio. No. So just these little techniques just make these two areas feel vastly different, but mm-hmm. completely how they should feel for the vibe they're trying to convey with us. Yeah. That's, that's, been, that's a magic. That's how it works. So your, your place that you picked next mm-hmm. is we're arriving up on it is the area and the small world mall this upper level of seating 
Max, this is such a great place to hang out, get away, catch the parade at a height, catch the holiday projection where you can see over the top of everybody else. This area up where we're at on the mall, walk over here with me, lean over the rail real quick. Down there below the monorail on the old boat docks, Mm. Fantasia Garden. That is another great spot. These two areas right here, these are some serious, I've spent some afternoons just chilling out in these locations. Why did you pick this one? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just said it. You can find an actual spot that is tucked away, yes. hidden away. It's it's uh, serene. <laughs> how? Yeah. <laughs> like, how in a theme park do you find a spot like that? I mean, it's, um, yeah. And it's uh, also, the like you were saying, the views... Um, from either the the lower uh, the lower area or the the upper small world one is there, yeah you can mm-hmm. it gives Gorgeous. you great sight lines because it gives you that extra two to three feet above people that are yeah. out on the actual cobblestone yeah. and sitting around there yeah 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 mm. yep I mean this is a this is a spot where if you have some you've got a snack or something you you take over there and you just hang for for a bit to to just chill and uh you know if it's one of those hot days this is this is a this is your spot in particular when you're down in the lower part of it the fantasia gardens area um i always tell people if you're coming in from out of town and you have a little one with you this is a great place to like divide the family in half somebody takes the little one you push the stroller out to the very end and with the heat of Anaheim and the constant going, if you're looking for a place for your baby to nap, that's got to be the spot. Because mm-hmm. once you get out in the middle of that pond, with the way that they've constructed all the sound lines and sight lines, you're pretty removed from the Disney experience out there, which is what makes it so insane that you can actually get away at one of the most traveled places. I mean, you're looking at 50,000 people in there, and somehow you can find a quiet spot. Yeah. All right. So that that is a, a unique little area. I don't think too many people know because you could really just walk right past it and 100%. never see it. I never, I never saw it for, for like years going. I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I think there's yeah. this thing about Disneyland too where so many of us go there and we're on our best behavior that you see an area and you kind of do the once over like, am, am I allowed to go over to that area? You yeah. know what I mean? It's the yeah. only place in Earth, well except it's becoming a lot more uh, prevalent everywhere else that tape on the ground yeah. It's like, whoa, that's masking tape. That's a wall. I can't go around that. That's masking tape. Yes. I must follow this arrow in neon green or blue that somebody yes. put on the ground in front of me. So we're going to cruise next. We're going to go past Fantasyland here. We're going to go past the, the, the shop that looks like a giant toy, past the old ticket booth over here to the left. As we're getting ready to go down below the railroad tracks to go into Toontown, I have to say, over to our left, I'm a big fan of the Toontown train station. It is so adorable. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you could say a lot of things about Toontown. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them would be right. Yeah, but um, you're right. That is That that train station works. really does. When the train comes up, it makes it look very much like a model set. Yeah. That's, I don't know how they did it, but... That's the magic. Yeah. You and I both were a part of 80s night this year, and <laughs> I have to say, when they brought back Videopolis, it was oh, absolutely amazing. So cool. I, I That was, uh, 
I didn't know what 80s night was going to be like because mm-hmm. a lot of these special event nights are like, mm. um, but that Videopolis made the whole night. It did. To just see the, like, the Disney community all uh, having a dance party at the Fantasyland Theater there. I mean, that was, that was a really special night. Yeah, that was. And with yeah. Disney's production, the way that they had the stage all designed, I mean, they mm-hmm. really made it feel like that early MTV vibe of multiple yep. TVs everywhere with different yeah. vibes going on. And the DJ looked amazing. He had the, the wig on that made him look like he was a member of Duran Duran. And he had the Miami Vice type, like, you know, three-quarter length uh, man's, like, linen suit jacket on with the teal t-shirt. Like, the whole vibe of that was so cool. And knowing that for a lot of those people out there that, that were born and raised in Southern California... That was them getting to go back to the big dance spot when they were in middle school, high school. I mean, the history of Videopolis was so awesome for us to be able to see that come to life. Yes. For one night was such a gift. Watching people that uh, had actually had that experience and getting to do it again, talking to them, that, that that was a really cool part of it because they were so emotional about it. Like, this is my youth. And you take you take the the magic of youth and add that to the magic of Disneyland on one of those after hour ticketed events where you get a lot more part to yourself. It was Mm -hmm. really, really special seeing all all of that come together. And it would be if they sold just a ticket to go to that, I would be I would be in line right away to do that. And I, I love to. I'm normally not a big like stage production guy, but when they brought out the Disneyland dancers and each of them were era specific and they were doing dances yeah. on that set, I'm like, this feels was, like I stepped into my childhood somehow. It was awesome. It was awesome. So as we come into Toontown, I want to say this about Toontown. One, <laughs> I'm missing the trees over there, but I understand once we get Mickey's Runaway Railroad that we'll get our trees back so we'll have our infinite um, landscape there. But a, a quick note for you. You know how you said earlier? For a while, you didn't know that you could sit in those areas back in Small World. Yeah. I would say that I conservatively had been going to the park for a year plus. And somebody said, oh, you know, Roger Rabbit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Roger Rabbit. And I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. And I immediately went and got a map. I'm like, holy (laughs) smokes. There's a there's a a, an actual dark ride in Toontown. Like, yeah, it's so kind of over to the right behind that Mm -hmm. fountain in your blind spot. And they did such a good job of, of building that outer wall with that, you know, that cartoon city facade that Roger Rabbit is, it's a little bit hidden in there. I didn't see it for a very long time. You could definitely miss it. Also, you would not expect a Roger Rabbit ride in Disneyland, but it's, it is there and often has a weirdly long wait time. It's also weird because you don't see a lot of the line and you think, oh, this is a walk-on. And then you go through the door and you're like, oh, my, there's a ton of people in here. Yeah. So <laughs> so you were able to ride Mickey's Runaway Railway, correct, yeah. back in January for, for the opening. Tell March. me. March. Sorry. March feels like five years ago. I don't even know. How was that March? <laughs> oh. Tell me about that attraction because that is one that I am super excited for because I love a dark ride. I love all that new technology that they're using. Like it looks yeah. like everything that they've learned in 65 years of making rides, they looks like they put it all into one attraction. Yeah, because it is. It's your it is uh, you know, it's like 
Rise of the Resistance technology um, in a kid's dark ride. Applied to cubes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's it's super adorable. Um, it, it just, it, it really is. It's, uh, that ride will make Toontown, like, a must. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it's... Yeah, because that ride made Hollywood Studios finally, like, a complete park. Um, because now it, it just, has Galaxy's Edge. It has yeah, the Toy Story area. It, yeah. And, and it has that attraction. Because I know a lot of people really enjoyed the great movie ride, which is what it took the location of, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So is yeah. that a fair... Is that, a, is that an upgrade in your opinion? Oh, gosh. That's tricky. Really? Yeah, because the great movie ride was, a, a you know, it was really unique. Um, it was really cool. That was, you know, the history. It, it, it was the history of movies, but you know what? The park is not really about that anymore. So, yeah. uh, um, you know what I mean? It's not, um, it's not a, a studio anymore. It's not a movie. Set. It's, it's, it's not the park. So, uh, I think they were both they're both great attractions. The, the Mickey one will stand the test of time, too. It's Mickey. It's a Mickey ride. How do we not have a Mickey ride? Well, you know, if you think about it, Mickey doesn't have a feature cartoon. Like, you know, they, they understand the delicacy of the brand. And when they announced way back when, 2D23s ago, that they were making an attraction for him, I said right then and there, I go, they know that this is solid gold because they yeah. just don't put him on anything. They really understand how protective they have to be of him. Um, it looks like to me that Hollywood Studios is going through the same transformation that our beloved DCA is going through. And yeah. that, you know, they're, they're trying to kind of figure out that tone of like, what is it that people, our core customer, want from us? And, you know, both of those parks are getting very far away from their opening day narrative but when you look at the crowds and and how much people enjoy the new stuff i mean adding galaxy's edge that dark ride and you know the toy story franchise inside of one park alone that's got to give it a little bit more heavy lifting so it can take some people away from magic kingdom and epcot and it does because i was there and it was crowded and the wait times were very long and so yeah so you picked an interesting place inside of Toontown. You said you <laughs> wanted to go over to the place with the cool foam floor, Donald's Boathouse. Why is this a place you wanted to hang out at today? Why as two grown men are we hanging out in Donald's Boathouse? It's questionable. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Because if you head up the stairs, yeah. Donald's Boathouse gives you a really unique view of things. Yes, it does. You can actually see Galaxy's Edge from Donald's Boathouse. And when they were constructing Galaxy's Edge, I would head over to Donald's Boathouse and just take a peek every now and then and and get that progress. Um, See where they were at because you get get this view like, wait a minute, that's... Oh. (laughs) Do you you think there's a long-term plan... To properly manage that sight line, do you think that there's anything? Because the only thing I can think of is they might have a, uh, you know, phase after phase plan to remove like maybe gadgets coaster and or gadgets coaster yeah. and put something bigger there that blocks it out. Because it seems very odd, but those spires that are right there, they're insanely tall. So it would have to be yeah. something massive to mask that out. 
Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if they've thought about that one. I feel like they're just cool with it. Like, oh, that's for kids. They won't pay attention. Yeah, because then the other thing you could see from Donald's boathouse, I mean, like right now, you could see the offices. You, you, you can see, you know, Disney. Uh, the green Anaheim. building there. Yeah, you yeah. see the office buildings. <laughs> That'll go away, though, once the clouds or the, the trees go back up, right? Once they come back, yeah. Yeah, after construction. Yeah. I, I really do, though. I love the animated vibe of Toontown. And mm-hmm. over by the Laugh Factory, which will eventually be the entry point to Mickey's Runaway Railway, when you walk around there and you go on the other side of that like building that's just there for props, and you, you're kind of pinned in on both sides... I always try to think about, okay, imagine being three feet tall. Everything is these weird perspectives. Everything's painted immaculately. Like, it must really feel like, at that age, like you're walking through a cartoon. It does. I mean, I, I was never that age when I went through there, but, like, yeah, exactly. it, I, it, it's, uh, it, it, it feels it. I mean, you know, I don't go to Toontown often, I would say, but, um... It is pretty well done. It's and it's going to be a special place once the new ride comes in, whenever that happens. <laughs> I uh, I don't go there often as well either because I'm a show up late and shut it down guy, and because of yeah. fireworks, we lose Toontown early, yeah. early in the evening. But I will say that when they used to have the Halloween parties over in Disneyland. And they would keep Toontown open later, and they would have it all decorated out. Like, it's mm-hmm. so cool to be back in there at night, or on the inverse of that, how they do it for the holidays, too. It's another, it's one of the best Christmas spots in the park as well. Yeah, that's like a hidden Christmas spot, you know? Yeah. People don't realize how decked out Toontown gets during Christmas. It's... Yeah. When they decorate really all nice. the little buildings with the different bunting and the different yeah. vibes and they put the lights on it, it really brings it together as if it is its own little community inside of the park. What's interesting right now is you've taken us to the 90s with Donald's. You've taken us to the 70s with Space Mountain. You've taken us to the 60s with Small World. You were cruising through the decades, my friend. So <laughs> what do you say we go all the way up to our present which was actually a time that was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away as we cruise back around through Fantasyland, going past what I'm always going to call it the Village Hoss. I love the Village Hoss. I'm, I'm going to keep it that name forever. But as we go through here, you remember a few years ago when they pulled out the old chalet that was up behind the, the food vendor, which was the last remaining piece of the sky buckets? Yeah. It was yeah. wild that that building was just sitting up this little hill. Yep. Yeah. Well, as, we, as we bend around this area and we come into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I have to remind you that it was just a year ago that we were seeing all this for the very first time. Time is very strange. It is, my friend. That is very <laughs> Obi-Wan and Yoda of you to say that. Take me to this. I've documented it several times on Disneyland for Designers. Take me to this. The first moment, your first visit to Galaxy's Edge, how did it register with you? Because like me, you had crazy expectations. You, you're a student of Disney. You're, you're so positive about everything that, that goes on there and with your YouTube channel, like you always find, you know, I know this about you. If you couldn't say something really nice about something, you probably just wouldn't touch it as a piece of content. So as the guy that can always see the hope in everything at Disneyland, how did Galaxy's Edge register with you on your first visit? 
I was, I mean, I was floored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I think like the. I'm looking up actually right now. Um, <laughs> they can't see me, but I'm looking up because that's kind of how I, I was when I walked in there. Like, whoa, the 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 sheer size of it. Um, when did you it, see it first? How, what, when was the first time you went into the Galaxy's Edge? Um, I did one of those cast previews, and we were not allowed to have phones or anything, which made it a million times better because I just got to take it in. I remember watching you put up a video. You just came home. You're like, guys, I just went to the yeah. galaxy's edge. And I was like, he's like getting ready to cry. And so yeah. he's either like putting it on hard, trying to upsell this to me, or it's really that magical. And when I went to it the first day, I got that same level of like, it was too much for me to handle being a Star Wars fan, being a Disneyland fan, like loving architecture and art and design and imagination. Like the first time I went there, it was literally a little bit too much for me to handle because it was just so exotic and so beautiful. And I was like, yeah, cheesy pop wasn't lying in this video. Those were real tears. No, it was uh, really emotional. The whole thing is like, I don't know. I could, I was just like, how, how how did they do this? Uh, to me, I really did feel like I was transported to another planet. And, um, uh, you know, so it's always been, it's always succeeded in my, in my eyes. Uh, you know, I mean, there's things that are, eh, hmm. but I, for me, like the first time I walked in, I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they did it. Yeah. Last year, Jared and I spent a lot of time in Galaxy's Edge going there late at night and you know, because a lot of people are very attraction based. They want mm-hmm. they want rides, rides, rides. If you're somebody who's more attuned to the design and the details and the vibes, it, we there's many nights we sat in there and we just like I can't believe that there's not that many people in here. And I started a thing over on my Instagram called Alone in the Galaxy where I have all these photos of me without one person behind me. And I'm like, Yeah, this is gonna change when Rise opens. Um how did you feel as a hardcore Disney fan, but also somebody who creates a lot of content about it on your successful YouTube channel? How did you feel about it when, the, the to me, the narrative of Galaxy's Edge over on YouTube was, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then opening day, it is the greatest thing ever. And then about 10 days later, <laughs> bored with it, where's everything else at? Like, wasn't that a little bit wild to see how quickly people sort of turn their back on the Galaxy's Edge? Uh, yes, <laughs> I mean, people. I, I don't. You know, I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know really what the motive w- was for people. Views. One hundred percent of his views. It was views. So that's I, you know, and I don't have time for it. So I didn't really even watch too much of that because I just I don't. I can't be bothered. But I know it was out there and it was stupid. As an as a creative. <laughs> And, and somebody who's built things with my hands. Mm. When I would see those videos pull up, I just started blocking channels. I'm like, I don't even want to see this negativity because it's, yeah. it's insane. And I watched one video once, and this, is, this sums it up. I haven't been there yet, but somebody told me that it was this. I'm like, what are you insane? You cannot review a land unless you've been just submerged in it and you've had it all around you. And until you stand where you and I are at right now, 
up here on this balcony looking out at the Millennium Falcon. You stand in this spot right here where you have Star Wars living and breathing all around you. Until you stand here, you can't judge it. Yeah, it's a pretty special spot to be. <laughs> it really is. I mean, right outside here of uh, Docking Bay 7. I mean, this spot that they had, you know, the the foresight to build this this like specific spot where you're above the Falcon. Right, this view area. Uh, yeah. Which then, you know, later in the evening for fireworks, you know, and they, they uh, this spot is is pretty special. Yeah. A lot of times when I stand in this spot, I see people get ready to carry the stroller down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I always go, excuse me, ma'am, there's a ramp over to the left. If you just keep going, like I play yeah. like amateur cast member because I, I see people getting ready to push the baby down yeah. the stairs. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, there's a ramp over to the left. When I got to go to Galaxy's Edge um, for my second time, I got to do a lap with a friend of mine who is a architect that does a lot of work for Disneyland. And he was basically just pointing out all these things to me. He's like, for Disney to build this grade, this balcony that you and I are standing at right now, he's like, for Disney to build this grade and to put in stairs and put the ramp back there in a blind spot, he's like, this is really going kind of above and beyond what most people would think of as far as architecture mm-hmm. and moving crowds this big and he goes they did a lot of things very very differently than what you're supposed to do to lean into the storytelling of the Black Spire outpost and yeah. while we're standing right here one of my favorite details is right next to Doc Arndor's Den of Antiquities he's got all this pile of trash out front because you know he's an antique guy but yeah. this Black Spire here this is the Black Spire that the town's named after. That's the Black Spire, this Black Spire outpost. And friends, next time you come here, you got to go up to it, and you got to see the living tree inside of it. It's the new hope tree or the hope tree. And every time I go there, I just try to make a little Star Wars wish. You know what I mean? Like, I just, just go there and make a little Star Wars awesome. wish for hope. Because I, like I do love the idea of them putting something living inside of something's dead and, and having that really go all the way back to the first time we saw this young kid with big aspirations. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, maybe the first ever whiny millennial. <laughs> oh, I want to go fly my ship. I don't want to yeah. play with the protocol yeah, yeah, yeah. droids. What a guy. What a guy, that Luke Skywalker. <sighs> so uh, answer me this. First time you walked through Galaxy's Edge, did you kind of forget that Rise of the Resistance was a thing because it was so hidden and you were so attuned to all the things that you were getting to see that day that a minute after I kind of did a lap with my friends, I go, wait a minute. Disney's biggest attraction ever is somewhere, and I've obviously walked past where it's going to be. Yeah, I, um, I think uh, I didn't... Yeah, it was just... I don't know. That wasn't even on my brain that, that day, honestly, because yeah. it wasn't... Yeah, I was taken in that forest because. Oh, the forest over there is the, so great. Let's walk over the there now. Let's go. The forest is massive. I mean, it's. Yeah. The idea of how this forest over time is going to blend seamlessly as a backdrop for Rivers of America <laughs> and also block out the Mickey and Friends and the Pixar Pals parking situation. It's such great storytelling, but at the heart of it, really good design problem solving. We've got this really awkward parcel of land. 
kind of shaped like Florida or California. Hmm. Uh, what are we going to put in here? How do we make it work with all the existing pathways? How do we block this out from everything else, but also block yeah. this out from the city of Anaheim? Like the problem solving that went into this was just so amazing. If, if, if anything else, and this is, I think, I think, Max, this is where I think people get a little confused. You and I both know that Disneyland is a work in progress. So mm-hmm. when you gave your initial review of Galaxy's Edge, you said, you know, a couple things, eh. and And that is an intelligence fan's way of saying, there's still room in there. There's still messing with it, massaging it to get it right. We don't come into something on opening day and be like, well, it will be this way forever because after all, the rest of the park has been a constant evolution since it opened up in 1955. I mean, it's never complete. I mean, it, it's just uh, so Galaxy's Edge will evolve. Um, I don't know what kind of evolution we will see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it will constantly evolve and change and you know, I don't know how much change we're going to get over the next uh, five, ten years now, but uh, because of what happened in the last few months, but I still think it's an amazing place. So. I love it. Galaxy's I Edge. love it. I, yeah. To, to be in there right now, I feel so fortunate. As, yes. <laughs> as we're walking through this forest over here, though, uh, it is very interesting at night how dark they allow this place to be, and also how much this part of the land is designed on the honor system and that there's no fences keeping you out of the forest. They just raise up the edge of the thoroughfare, edge of the road a little bit with, you know, some rock work that looks like that's kind of where all the mud and clay kind of got pushed uh-huh. over the side to make the pathway. Cause after all, this is just a, a temporary set up camp by the resistance. Yes. And it's so interesting that, it's such an honor system because I've never seen anybody hop on the other side of that 12-inch pile of rocks. Like, people understand this is the pathway that you stay in. And I have, I've seen a lot of kids climb on things they're not supposed to climb on at Disneyland. I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody hop off the trail. No. Uh, never. You are correct. It's the magic. But stay on I the trail. I don't know. It is the magic. I don't know if that applies at Disneyland Paris, but... <laughs> Disneyland Paris is a beautiful park, right? Gorgeous. Maybe a little bit too much space between things, but absolutely beautiful. Stunning. Yeah, yeah, really, really yeah. beautiful. So as we yeah. come out of the Galaxy's Edge, and by the way, I always hate walking out, but this music that we get as we go through each of the three tunnels, that's the mm. emotional punch right there for you. Yeah. The John Williams yeah. score they made for the land. So mm-hmm. good. Uh, where are you at? Do you think that Galaxy's Edge should have a looping soundtrack going through it or should it be like what we just heard an occasional spaceport going over different radio transmissions from different shops like what do you think i like it how it is i do too honestly i mean it feels real i do too it had a looping music i mean where is that coming why why where what no (laughs) that's not real um i think that that i love the I love the planes. I remember the first time I heard, uh, you know, the spaceship going over me. I was like, what is that? You know, and you're like, oh, wow, they did that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it feels real. It feels lived in. Uh, it feels like I'm entering someone else's home. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And if you've ever been there late at night, you really, and it, it sort of dissipates and people let out. You can really hear the different texturing mm-hmm. of all the different mm-hmm. sounds and things that are going on. So I, I'm in your camp, too, that I enjoy mm-hmm. um, 
the way that they did it. And I hope that it stays intellectual and clever like that and it doesn't yeah. sort of go up to a cheaper route. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if we stop at this place on your list? The old <laughs> Hungry Bear restaurant, which old school, the Golden Bear Lodge. Uh, Whoa. This place, this patio. Mm-hmm. What a place to hang out, right? Like, if you're looking to kill some time in the afternoon, what a place to hang out. That's the reason I chose it. I didn't choose it really because of the food. Uh, I, I mean, the food is it's fine. Yeah. Fine. But It's your typical theme park food. Yeah. They've done a couple things lately which have been a little better, like a buffalo chicken sandwich or, you know, whatnot. But um, some loaded fries. But Exotic this, cold brews. Yeah, exactly. Fine. <laughs> but it's just another, like, tucked away area. Yeah. This, this patio. And people still don't know about it. People still don't go back there. I just, get, if I get something there, I get get what I need, get my food, and go all the way to yes. the back. Yes. Because there are tables, always. <laughs> Riddle me this. This used to be a dead end. Mm. You used to go up to this balcony and you could get a rail spot and every mm-hmm. so often sailing ship Columbia would come by. Maybe a cannonball yeah. would scare the sandwich out of you. And then it. the Mark Twain would come by. <sighs> Love that yeah. sound of the Mark Twain going by. Yeah. Um, but you were right on the river. So question, did they cut some of the balcony off and put the pathway in? Or did they move the river over and add the pathway? I'm a little bit confused on how this magic trick works because it used to be if you would have fallen off the balcony, you would have landed in the river. But now there's obviously a 10, 12-foot walkway below us. Man, you got me there. And I don't know which way they did went. I just know that, that it's different. A, now, the, see, that, would, that is definitely a question you'd be better at than I am. Because <laughs> I can, that is... Uh, uh, you know, they reshaped the river when they put in Galaxy's Edge, and they remember that year where the boats were stationary, and they put yes. up those little sandbaggy things where they had water in half the river. So the front half was still water, but the back half was clay so that they could reroute the island and put everything yeah. together. And if you remember, you could eat on the Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah. And they had yeah, meet yeah, and greets yeah, yeah, on there, yeah, yeah. and they had a jazz band playing on there because yeah. it was just stationary for like you know right. a whole summer or a whole season or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the, you're absolutely right, man. The Hungry Bear is such a great place to get away. And I'm, I'm just going to throw one out if you don't mind. Like, if if you've got the time, Winnie the Pooh is always five, ten minutes in and out. And it, yeah, it, re- is. it really is a great dark ride. That is. Yeah. That and it's so t- and it's so hidden away because it's all in the back corner there, so people do miss that miss that one. But yeah, you're right. And that, that sweet is a great shop, that sweet shop over there on the exit, that's yeah. a great little store too. Yep, that's a, you know what, less trafficked obviously than you know Candy Palace. So if you want candy, that is yeah, yeah. And I'll give you another yep. heads up. In a case of emergency, that's one of the emergency exits of Disneyland. <laughs> you know where the, that shop is? So imagine in your mind. I mean, look at it right now. There's yeah. the shop. Okay, so we got... There it is. We got... We have Winnie the Pooh. Then we have like a foresty area. We have the shop. And then if you go over a little bit to the left, that's where Splash Mountain starts. But in between, mm-hmm. it's the rare door that you would see at Disneyland. 
Mm. That's an emergency exit. If you go through those doors, it's my understanding that you would be able to get over to like the tram path and they could just start taking people out because you're very, huh? very close to the to the edge of the property right there. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't even know where that would be. Well, my brain my brain cannot comprehend where I am. I, <laughs> I love the magic. I love the magic so much. So let's do this. As we're leaving uh, Critter Country, I always like when we come up on this hill, the way that the Haunted Mansion looks from this angle. And even though right now she's wrapped up and getting another facelift, what a beautiful girl. Uh, I always love this perspective, though, of, of coming up. But you've chosen to do something that I love. You said... Let's go to the left. Let's mm-hmm. take this hidden thoroughfare of Disneyland, and let's go to my absolute favorite spot in the park. You predicted it. You guessed it. Fowler's Harbor is my favorite spot in Disneyland. Really? I love cool. it so much. Do you know the history of this area? Uh, it, mm, explain it to me. I've heard it before, but I don't. I want to hear it from you. So Fowler's Harbor is named after Admiral Joe Fowler who was an mm-hmm. old Navy guy who had served during active duty and helped the Navy build boats. Walt Disney being a, a, a patriot, he knew to get Disneyland built in a year, he'd have to hire somebody that could be the heavy hand and somebody that could get results. So as I understand it, Joe Fowler had just retired from the Navy, just built his like vacation home up in Northern California, gets a phone call to take a meeting to come down to Anaheim, Goes down to Anaheim for a one-day meeting, stays for several days, and then tells his wife, by the way, we live in Anaheim now, and I'm no longer retired. And so Admiral Joe was basically, Walt was the vision, Joe was the heavy hand that could get results. And everybody knows that's how it works. You have the guy that everybody loves, and then you have the guy that gets results. And so Admiral Joe pushed Walt and said, look, man. If you want to build this place as a city, we got to start making decisions. Do we want this thing to last 100 years, or is this just an amusement park and everything falls apart in 5, 10 years? And he said, if you're going to put boats in the river, we have to have a dry dock where we can service the boats. And Walt only cared about attractions and things for the audience. And Admiral Joe was the guy's like, infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. If we build it like a city, it lasts. And so... Walt would be like, fine, Joe, you can have your ditch. And forever he referred to that area as Joe's Ditch, where they could go and service the boats. And then they surprised him, and they named that area Fowler's Harbor after basically the man who built Disneyland. Um, And whenever I go over there, I just always have like a soft spot in my heart for to get results. You have to have a dreamer. You have to have a guy like Roy that can handle the finances and, and navigate the world of business. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. always have to have the guy that everybody's a little bit afraid of and knows that if they're supposed to dig a ditch and get it done by 5, you better have it done by 4.45. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's really cool. And I love that when wow. we sit over here, we look, we're lucky we caught Columbia's parked in. We can hang out right here and look. like We can lean over the rail and touch Sailing Ship Columbia. There it is. I love there it, it so much. We love this. Now, as a, the it's, food guy, yeah. have you eaten out of this restaurant many times here around the corner? At uh, Harbor Galley? Yeah. 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 I, I've only had like one or two items there. What, what would be a dish that you would recommend to me? So, this is like a great, uh, this is the 
you can get the lobster roll here, which is cool. You're from the East Coast. Um, so if you're telling me uh, lobster roll's good here, I gotta good. trust you. And uh, uh, the last thing I actually had here was a seafood boil, which was part of some sort of, you know, specialty Limited food item dish. for one of the many specialty food <laughs> things that they <laughs> celebrate. Um, and that was, like, legit <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was like, whoa, 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 guys, this is... This is like for real seafood boil, okay? Uh, so it's that kind of food. Uh, they got. Uh, do they have the mac and cheese in bread bowl or mac and cheese in a lobster mac and cheese? Is it there? Is it at? I, I you know I gotta I gotta. That would be where it would be at, right? I mean, where I else would you put is. a lobster mac and cheese at Disneyland and make sense out of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the bread it's that bowl. kind of food. The bread bowl. What a great stuff. utility. It is. I mean, and Disney, Disneyland does that better than, uh, you know, a lot of places, honestly. They do. The, the, as this is one of the best places to get away and, and have uh, a lunch or dinner or a quiet spot, dare I say this is a great place to propose. Nobody's ever proposed to me here, but one day they will. Oh, okay. You know where probably one of the worst places I think to eat is? Is you know when you're going over to Pirates, right? And they don't load you to the left, they load you on the right. There's like one table that's right by the Pirates queue. You know what I'm talking about right there? Yeah. And everybody stands over the fence and like stares at you and looks at what you're eating. Like weird. I feel like you're just getting food shamed the whole time you sit there. Yep. But Fowler's Harbor, once again, you're at Disneyland, you're away. You can watch the ducks swim by. You can yeah. hear the Mark Twain go by. In fact, what do you say we just keep hugging the edge of the river mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and walk over to the Mark Twain? Go past one of my favorite spots. I love Magnolia Park, this quiet little park that's mm-hmm. in New Orleans Square. And as we come around to the Mark Twain, I have to ask you this. Have you ever been fortunate enough to get to go up to the very top and be a guest captain for a lap around the rivers of America? No, I've never done that. I got to do I it do one that. time and sign the book, put my name in there. It was such oh, an amazing memory. See, that's so cool. This Mark Twain is one of the most emotional rides for me at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. tell you why. Not only because of its heritage and its opening day classicness, but I grew up on the banks of the Ohio River and... Throughout my whole childhood, I remember spring and summer meant that if I was playing out in the yard or riding my bike or riding my skateboard, sometimes over on the river I could hear the Bella Louisville or the Delta Queen from Cincinnati go by and they have those um, organs on them, the steam organs that get steam from the actual ship and then they also convert that and play it in the organ. And just hearing old American standards getting played on an organ on a steamboat going down the Ohio River. So, on a homesick day, seeing the Mark Twain can get me a little bit choked up to remember just how far Bricky Mouse has come. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. I didn't know that. That's really neat. Wow. You have anything in the park that does that for you that just kind of like, it's it's, it's not a big thing to everybody else, but to you, it just like, it's that bizarro like connection with your history and it's the emotional punch. That's a good question. Um... Man, 
I don't know that I have like that uh, similar kind of. No, I don't know. What's the spot in the park that just kind of always gives you the feels? And if you want to say all of it, I'll let that go. <laughs> um, you know, it's. Uh, I I. I don't know if it's just turning the as you get out of the tunnel at the entrance to Disneyland, oh. and you're turning the corner, and oh. and it, 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 that. That tunnel that to me is yeah. Which way do you go? You go left or right? I enter on the right. In front of Diziania, Diziana, the the gallery. Yeah, I, and then I leave on the yeah, uh, me too. Other side. That's yeah. that's my loop as well. And I I'll say this to you. Hmm. You're absolutely right, Max. Because when you go to the right, and you always I always like sort of like pay homage to the gold plaque sign above us. Here you enter mm-hmm. the land of fantasy. Blah blah blah. blah. As I walk through that tunnel, like right when you get on that tunnel and you look over at Town Square and you get your first glance of Disneyland, it's like coming home every single yeah. time. Every single yeah. time. And you know, exactly. I've been fortunate enough to become friends with uh, Philander Butler, who does the show with me sometimes, who's uh, an amazing mm-hmm. Disneyland VIP tour guide. And he understands the park so well and understands the super fans so well that when we went through the tunnel on our VIP tour and I was standing in that spot, he knows that's the spot that people like us love, and he just looked over and he goes, "Welcome back!" Like he just he knew uh, he knew yeah. that that's that spot where you get that first look, and if you see the double decker bus go by, <laughs> and everything's happening in there, it, it, it's just like game on, man. The rest of the world doesn't matter right now. I'm at Disneyland, man. I'm so happy. I'm getting fired up on the Mark Twain. By the way, where you want to ride? You want to ride the tippy top? You want to ride the front? Where, where do you like to ride on the Mark Twain at? I go up to the top. Front or back? Oh, I think uh, I'm going to the front. Let's go. I got a surprise for you. Yeah. You didn't see me do this, but when you were over there taking selfies and and taking thumbnails for your next video, how can a guy eat 100 bread bowls in an hour? Cheesy Pop does it. I mm-hmm. snuck over to the back of New Orleans Square, and let me just shake this up for you real quick. Go ahead. Have a beignet on me. I snuck over hey. and got us some beignets. <laughs> Bro, you haven't lived until you've done a beignet on the tippy top of the Mark Twain as you're going around the rivers of America. Thank you for shaking it up. Oh, I mean, come on. Do you think I'm going to give you a dry beignet? Get no, out of here. I know no, you're no. the master of snacks. I mean, oh, man, I got powder everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. All over my clothes. Yeah, I look like a bad guy from Miami Vice right now, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> there were a lot of people that were upset. Oh, they're going to they're gonna shave off part of the Rivers of America. You know, the Galaxy's Edge is going to hurt Rivers of America. As we're coming around the backside here, and we're looking at the new waterfall and the new rock work and where they moved the native village... Rivers of America has never been better, bro. Oh, no, it's, yeah, it's perfect. This is a perfect, yeah. It was the three years that we lost this part of the park for Galaxy's Edge. There was the year without the railroad, and where we really, all we had was things taken away from us. Hmm? We didn't get anything new that year. But when the railroad came back, and the river opened up, and we got to see the rock work and the waterfall and where everything yeah. got shifted around, I, I just knew right then and there that the next couple of years were just going to be magical because you could tell all the right people were making the decisions. 
It has been a magical run. It has. I mean, these last few years. Yeah, I mean. I mean, we were yeah. able to live through one of the golden ages of Disneyland where literally we were spoiled brats that every couple of months something new, a new theme. Like, we were theori- theoretically new lands y- year after year. Marvel's yeah. Avengers Campus and Galaxy's Edge back to back. Get out of here. I mean, yeah, this is pretty unprecedented time for growth. Absolutely. So, yeah. So as we come around to the end of our run and we look over to see if anybody's sitting on those tables at the shipping area that sometimes <laughs> you can get in, sometimes you can't. You said that you wanted to have dinner at Rancho Del Zocalo. Tell me why this yeah. is your spot. Man, you want you know what? So they uh always I don't know. Every time I've gone here, um, food's always been good. I know what I'm getting. Like this is just a Disneyland classic. I want. I'm. I want Mexican food, and I'm going to Rancho. It's just. But then they do little twists too, because they always got a specialty item. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that the the chefs here are. Um, you might think it's just your basic burrito and, you know, some street tacos, but it's actually really quality food. This is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a just guaranteed you're going to get a good meal. It's a lot of food. The prices are actually pretty good here. Yeah. And there's a ton of seating. Um, and you can kind of choose how you want to experience, you know, your, your meal. You could sit outside. There's a covered area inside. Uh, it's quality. I, I, I'm feeling like, uh, I'm feeling like some, oh man, I don't know. We could split some chicken nachos and and street tacos. I love it. (laughs) Hey, splitting food. What a vintage thing to talk about. (laughs) Hey, if you're going to sell Mexican food in Southern California, it better be legit. And this place yeah. is legit. Like, it's it really, is. really good food. Yeah. I love it. Totally, totally legit. And they come, yeah. And it's such they a beautiful area. Hard. It's such a beautiful yeah. area where you can see the rest of Frontierland. And I do like that there is, you know, because when you think about the West during the cowboy times, it's great that there is a Spanish area in that footprint because that was a big mm. part of the California story. When we mm-hmm. leave this restaurant, we can go on one of my favorite quiet thoroughfares, which is this hallway that's just going to spit us out right at the Fantasy Fair. And this pathway is one of the best ways to get across the park and, and miss a lot of people. You also have a choice restroom that you can use. I love that the light is constantly dimming and glowing to make it feel almost as if you're going through some sort of like cowboy mine shaft. Yeah. But as we come around to the fantasy fair, uh, I think something that's really interesting is from Project Stardust is how they opened up all these walkways. And now we can walk mm-hmm. back over to the fort area of Frontierland. And I hope these construction guys don't get mad at you and I wanting to check out the new sign that they're putting up for all of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's check it out. Oh, that's so Look cool, man. Early, early glance. <laughs> well, as we work our way over to the hub, if you don't mind, yeah. I always like to go up to the statue and just say thanks to Walt for doing this Let's for do us. It. It's amazing. Yes. 
Thanks, Walt. Yeah. And I love it. As mm. we wrap up our day and we go down Main Street, you said that you wanted to end with taking a trip to great moments with Mr. Lincoln. And for you to put this on your list is so curious to me because I think that this is one of the things that a lot of people have done it. They don't see a need or desire to go back to it. Um, I think from a historian's point of view, it's a really cool look at the mind of Walt Disney and his relationship with America and then, you know the World's Fair and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to know why, out of all yeah. the places you could pick to go today, why Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln was on your list. Uh, I think, you know, maybe, you know, I think you were asking if there's a place that, you know, brings a specific sort of memory. Maybe that's, maybe it's this really? for me. Uh, because I remember going, um, now, I, I I just remember Lincoln as a kid. My mom uh, taught fifth grade, and I just remember being a kid and learning about Lincoln, and she was teaching it in her um, class, and it was always like a big deal for me as a kid. Yeah. And then to have the Walt connection was just like, whoa, wait a minute, what? He, I, I can see Abe every time I go to Disneyland too. This yeah. is, um, and it really is a look at, like you said, it's this is Walt and the way that he. The way that he thought and his whole like Americana vibe and um, it's a I it takes you back to I feel like Walt's original uh, you know whatever was going on in his head and in, in you know back in at, in the early days of making this place and with with the World's Fair it just I feel like it just takes you there. Um, that we still have this place in in yeah. you know Disneyland. Uh, so cool, right? It's like <sighs> something that feels more like a a museum piece than a than an amusement park piece. And you know, this was put in at the 10th anniversary in '65, and that means that this building was never designed to do this because originally the the opera house was the the lumber mill. So mm-hmm. all the facades on Main Street, they were constructed in this building, put on a flatbed, drove down Main Street, and pinned up on the buildings. Mm-hmm. So for this building to eventually get this historic home, it's just such a cool nod to the park of, you know, going back to Galaxy's Edge conversation. They didn't know this is what would end up there. And now right. it's there, and you can't imagine anything else being there. And when you come in oh. to that, you know, turn of the century uh, America seeing a big sign that just says Lincoln over there I think subconsciously it just gives you those American vibes those American feels and I really think about trying to imagine this from the perspective of being somebody visiting from Australia or Mm -hmm. or a a fan that loves Mm -hmm. the the Asian parks you're like whoa this is Mm -hmm. insanely American this little piece of, of pie here it is and that yeah yeah that place um it's special. And let us strive to deserve, as far as mortals may, the continued care of divine providence, trusting that in future national emergencies, he will not fail to provide us the instruments of safety and security. 
Neither let us be slandered from our duty by false accusations against us or frightened from it by menaces of destruction to the government nor of dungeons to ourselves. Let us have faith that right makes right. And in that faith, let us to the end dare to do our duty as we understand it. And, and 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 you can see some old Disneyland oh, artifacts in there. Oh, so oh, bro. some big big stuff. The popcorn machine, the bench where allegedly he watched his daughter on the carousel. The carousel horses in there. The original um, model of Disneyland, yeah. which shows you the old railroad path and and how it looked on opening day. And then when you yeah. exit this and you get to go through that hallway of all the historic photos and oh, stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Max, they always said that they never wanted Disneyland to become a museum and they always wanted to sort of refresh it for the generation that's enjoying it. But I have this question for you. This is something that I'm in love with and I always like asking people this. If they were to carve, let, let's say Tomorrowland kind of gets re-chopped up a little bit. I would love a little bit more Main Street, kind of like our own version of like a Liberty Square type area. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I would love to have in there is a dark ride that is the story of Disneyland. Huh. And I think that that would, would be such a rich IP and such a great way to maybe have a skeptic get a whole different perspective of their day at Disneyland. Interesting. I like that. Thank you. I mean, I would, I'd go on that. Damn right you would. <laughs> Damn right you would. A lot of people would go on that. A Disneyland history dark ride. Yeah. The story of Disneyland. Why not? Narrated I, I, by Mark Brickey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I would love it. I would be, that would be, yeah, you know what? What a neat thing that could be. I, that would um, be fun. Yeah. I like that. Max, I want to thank you for taking a lap around Disneyland with me right now. And I want to give you, um, from a fellow content creator, these have been really, really weird times. And (laughs) on behalf of your audience and the people that have never met you but grown to think of you as one of their good Disney friends, I want to thank you on behalf of your audience for still keeping the magic alive, for keeping hope alive. And mm-hmm. even though the park is closed, I know emotionally you have been taking people to those feelings uh, for the last 70 days, just like I've been trying to do. So I wanted to thank you on behalf of your audience for doing that. That's it. Yeah, man. You are certainly welcome. Thank you as well. This is uh, it's real weird navigating <laughs> this whole situation, but I, you know, I think we're both... Uh, we're doing it. Positivity, we're doing it, man. Po- we do, yeah, we're doing this thing. That's it. Positive vibes the entire way. You know it. Uh, that's, yeah. You know the yeah. old saying, uh, Disneyland won't be complete as long as there's imagination left in the world? I say, Disneyland will never be closed as long as there's imagination left in the world. And if we can keep it in our minds and keep it in our hearts, there's nothing that can stop us from, from going there in whichever way it might be. And just a fun fact for you to let you know that I'm a true crazy person. I've still mm. been every single week since it's been closed. <laughs> I drive a lap around it every single week around the outer perimeter of it. Hey, 
who's a true crazy person? This guy right here. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I always love when I point out the max how crazy I am and just watch his eyes go. You're insane, Ricky. You're absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. I have not taken a ride there at all. Yeah, but so. you just want to go back when it's when it's pumping? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. There's the sort of journalistic part of my brain. I'm like, I yeah. I need to see this. And now that I've seen yeah. it, I'm kind of obsessed with it. So we'll see. But <laughs> all right, Max, thank you so much for taking this journey around Walt's original Magic Kingdom with us. It was such an honor to get to, to do the park with you. And, and thanks for this is a really, really good list. There's a couple things on here that I don't think we've ever really talked about on the show before. So what a great lap that we just got to take around the park. That was awesome. Thanks, man. There you go, friends, fellow citizens of Disneyland, another lap around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. I hope you're enjoying the way that the show's evolving to where I bring on all of my different friends who, in one way or the other, have a professional connection to Disneyland. People that love it so much that they somehow figured out a way to make it a part of their career. People that study it as a profession and as a passion that are so excited to share with you the unique ways that they see Walt's piece of art that I know that we're all missing. And I know that this Friday would be typically the kickoff of the summer season, but I believe that if we keep hanging out together, keep the community going strong and keep Disneyland alive in our hearts and our imaginations, we won't miss the summer season. We'll all be there. In fact, I already am. Till the next time I see you, live the magic every day, and whatever you do, don't stop believing.